Psalms 92 pick up where we left off a, a couple of weeks ago. And I want you to notice uh, as we uh, get going on this, at the very beginning of it, sometimes these Psalms, they kind of have titles or sometimes they'll say who they're written by. And notice on this one, it says it's a psalm or song for the Sabbath day. So this was one that was made kind of for a specific purpose. This was kind of this was something they were meant to sing on the Sabbath. So whenever they would have their Sabbath day, I don't know if it was something they would sing in the congregation or if it was something maybe they were supposed to sing in their home. Uh, you know, it's hard to say for sure. Maybe both. But this was uh, remember this psalm, the Book of Psalms. It's kind of the hymn book of the Bible. It's what they used to sing. It's what the Hebrews sang. It's what guys like David sang. He wrote a lot of these. We just don't know exactly what it sounded like, we actually can get a little bit of an idea of the type of song this was as far as the type of music. We'll see that here in a little bit. But it is it's something that was specifically for the Sabbath day. And I think too when we look at this psalm, it can help us understand kind of the purpose for the Sabbath day. Because obviously, Bibles, you know, one of the Ten Commandments, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. This was something they were supposed to observe. Every week. And we talked a little bit about this on Sunday. Obviously, the main reason God gave the Sabbath was man needed it. It was for man. This was something they were going to need. They needed to rest. They needed to be refreshed. But during that time, God also wanted it to be a, a, a holy time. He wanted it to be something that was sacred. And I believe there were things that He wanted them to reflect on. And I believe during this time, during the Sabbath, and I think we can tell this a lot, just from this psalm, that you know God wanted them thinking about Him, and it's very important that we that we think about God, and we ought to think about God all the time. But you know it is it is good to have certain times, or even a certain day that's completely focused on God. You know that's one of the great things about Sunday. You know we have church twice on Sunday, and it's a time where we come together and. You know, it's not a time to build community, even though that kind of happens, which is what a lot of churches, that's all it's about. It's a time where we come together and we worship God. It's a time where we focus on Him. We focus on His Word. We have the preaching of the Word. And uh, so we can learn what He wants us to do. And so we can be reminded of some things. Because we need to be reminded. We need constant reminders uh, of the things of God. So let's go ahead and start reading Psalms chapter 92 in verse 1. It says, it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto the name, uh, unto thy name, O Most High. So first thing we see there it, that with Sabbath, you know, it's a time of worship. We're focused on God. And it's a time when they would give thanks. Okay? We're giving thanks to God. We don't just worship God, you know, just because He's God, even though that's fine, that's enough. But you know what? There's actually a purpose. There's reason we do it because God is good. He's been a good God. He's given us our health. He's given us, you know, provision. He's taken care of us. You know, He's gotten us through another week. And so He's saying, hey, it's good to give thanks unto God. And I believe that's an important thing to do. That's one of the things that we do in church. We give you a chance to give a prayer request, but also give you a chance to give a praise. It's good to praise the Lord. For things to let people know what God has done for you in your life, not 40 years ago, but during that week. Okay, there's a lot of people out there too. You know, there's a lot of preachers that when they, they get up and they preach, 
And especially evangelists, they're always talking about the glory days. You know, they've been telling the same stories, you know, for thirty some years. And my question to these people is, you know, God done anything for you in the last thirty days? But they're always going way back. But you know, we God does stuff for us every week. All right, maybe we don't always get the cool dramatic story, but God is doing things for us every week, and we ought to be thanking Him. We ought to be. Uh, reminding ourselves of that. Other people need to be hearing it. And you know, one of the things that's good about giving praises too, let's just be honest, it's kind of part of our culture to be grumpy, isn't it? It's kind of a part of our culture to not be satisfied and to complain and always be thinking about the things that we don't have. But you know what? There are people out there who are thankful. There are people that do have the right attitude. And when you hear somebody get up and they're praising the Lord for some little thing, you know, often it's a reminder, you know what, the Lord actually did something like that for me. He actually did even more. And something that you weren't thankful for before because you're so self-centered, you hearing somebody else praise the Lord, it reminded you to be thankful. And it is, it's a good thing to give thanks. And you know what, you don't need to just give thanks in your heart. You need to give thanks with your mouth. You need to give thanks publicly. Let other people know what God has done for you don't just keep it to yourself. Share these things. You know, and think about this too. Other people in the church are praying for you. Let them know if their prayer has been answered. I talked about that the other day. We need to be talking about these things. So we ought to thank Him. We ought to sing praises. We can thank Him in singing. There's a lot of songs that we sing that the words of the song are songs of thanksgiving. That is appropriate. That is exactly what we, we ought to do. We're going to sing. We're going to thank him in song, and so I and um, you know it, it's a good thing to sing praise in the name of the Most High. Now I I don't personally believe that music is to be you know used exclusively for religious purposes. All right. Now I, I'm not saying you know go get you a bunch of secular music, rock music, and country music. Obviously that stuff gar- is garbage. It appeals to the flesh. But there is some music out there that I think is appropriate, that's entertaining. You know, I like to listen to some good orchestra music. I like listening to some Smoky Mountain music. That's the southern boy in me. You know, that uh, I try to... I, I really do like that stuff. I like hearing guitars and banjos. I like those things. You know, it doesn't necessarily all have to be religious stuff. However, I do believe good Christian music ought to be a part of our lives. I believe it ought to be something that we listen to on a regular basis. And even if you do listen to some secular music that's appropriate, once again, I'm not talking about the junk, this modern stuff that's out there, but if you want to have some, that's fine. But you need to be listening to some good, godly music during the week. Alright? And the Christian radio station, you're not going to find it. Alright? You're going to have to go, you're going to have to go online and order this stuff. And you know, the great thing with the modern technology, we've got iTunes and things like that, where you can download these things, you know, quick. You can, a lot, there's a lot of good music right there on YouTube that you can go and listen to. I mean, just about anything you can imagine, it's, it's right there, and there's, there's really good stuff, but we need to be listening to these things because it puts stuff in our head. If you're singing songs about being thankful, 
Maybe you're, you'll have a more thankful attitude. You know, there's a reason that our society today is so consumed with lust and all the filth of this world because they're listening to the songs about it all the time. All the time, people hear this junk being pumped in their head with all this sensuality and we wonder why there's all these pervy people out there. Well, you know what? Maybe if we filled our heads with songs of thanksgiving, with songs of praise to God, maybe we would have a spiritual mind. Maybe we would be thankful people. Maybe we would be happy people. So, have these things in your life. Regularly listen to psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. The New Testament talks about you know teaching and admonishing one another. We learn things through songs. Okay, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of good doctrine in songs. Now, there's a lot of bad doctrine in songs too, isn't there? All right, and we've talked about some of that before, where I've you know, giving somebody a scripture to refute a false teaching, and then they want to quote a line from a song at me. You know, uh, you know, I'm sorry. You know that. You know that's why it's good. Our doctrine is correct in our songs. If we're teaching, you know, having an argument about whether or not a person has to repent of their sins to be saved. You know, and I give you a scripture about just believing, and then you quote, "And I repented of my sins and won the victory." Sorry, Bible trumps. Hymn, even if it's a soul-stirring songs and hymns and one of them old-fashioned, you know, hymns of the faith, all dates back to like 1955 or something like that. <laughs> I'm sorry, Bible trumps that. All right, it was it was around before that. But anyway, look at verse two. So it says, "To show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night." So this is why we're singing these things. We're showing His loving kindness. We're showing His faithfulness. We do this in the morning. We do it at night. This is, this is a part of what we do. And worship, and especially public worship, it's a way that we can publicly declare the greatness of God. It's a beautiful way to do it. It's an enjoyable way to do it. It gets people's attention. People are naturally drawn to good music. And when we're singing songs, I think we ought to do our best. All right? If you're not a great singer, you know, just do your best. Make a joyful noise. But you know, there's just something about you know, hearing a bunch of people sing, and especially when it sounds good. And you hear those instruments and you hear it all come together and you hear it harmonize and people pay attention to it and they, they're, they're gonna hear these things. And it's gonna, that message, it's gonna speak to them. Now, I don't know, see, I'm reading between the lines here, but think about the passage of the Bible. Remember when Paul and Silas had been beaten and they were in jail? And what were they doing at midnight? The Bible says they were singing. Okay? Now there could have been some stuff that went on in between that we don't know about. But why? Okay, that famous verse where the jailer says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What made him ask that? The Bible doesn't tell us that Paul and Silas preached to him. They could have. He might have heard what was going on. But one thing we do know in the prison is that they were singing. Maybe there was something he heard in that song that touched his heart. Maybe they were singing about salvation. And here these guys are in prison and they're singing praises to God. He's probably thinking, I'm about ready to go to prison because I've let the prisoners all escape. I want to have the... You know, he's terrified, about ready to kill himself. He's thinking, I want what those guys have. Hey, what do I have to do to be saved? Why did he even know to say that? Maybe it was because he heard the words of the songs they were singing. I don't know. I'm just... I'm assuming right there. But singing is it's something we do publicly. And an assembly, it's a great testimony 
you know, the larger the assembly too, the more people will be interested in what the assembly is about. Have you ever been somewhere and you saw a crowd and you're just like, hey, what's going on? You know, what's that all about? I remember when I was, I can't remember how old I was, I think I was about 15 years old, 14 or 15 years old, we went to Chicago to the Cubs convention. And we went and we stayed in this hotel where they had all these events where the baseball players were all there and got to meet a lot of the Cubs players. Big, I was a big baseball fan back then. And I remember, you know, we'd go through the hotel and you're kind of looking for players and stuff. And you know how you found players? You just look for the mob. And whenever you see an assembly of people, you knew somebody was there. And you always, the bigger the assembly, the bigger the deal the person was that was in this. And sometimes you see two or three people gathered around some old guy. You know, that was usually some has-been that, you know, from way, from way back. But whenever you'd see the big mobs, you knew somebody great was there. You know, and think about it. When we assemble, it's a testimony. It shouldn't be a testimony of the pastor. It shouldn't be a testimony of each other, but it should be a testimony to God because He's the one that we're coming to worship. And we ought to think about that. And you need to understand that your attendance means something. Your presence means something. It has a testimony. And you ought to be there when there's praising going on, when there's an assembly going on. You ought to be a part of that. Whenever you see a funeral procession, have you ever been... Somewhere and you see a funeral procession, well, it's a super long one. What's the first thing you say? I wonder who died. If it's just four or five cars, you don't think anything of it. But you see that long one, it tells you there's somebody special right there. And so our you know our presence, our our assembling together, our singing of praises to God, these things, it, it communicates so much in such a great way. And I do find it interesting that this was something they would do on the Sabbath. And they would uh, they would come together and they would sing these things. And look what it says here. It says, Upon an instrument of ten strings. I wish that said six strings. Or even better, five strings. Because then you know, I have a banjo right there. But uh, but anyway, it says ten strings. I don't even know any ten string instruments right now. Uh, at least they don't, they don't have none down south, that's for sure. i got a twelve string guitar. But anyway... Sorry to get sidetracked on that stuff. So upon an instrument of ten strings and upon a psaltery, upon the harp with a solemn sound. Alright, so here it gives an idea of what the song kind of sounded like. He said do it with a solemn sound. So this is something that's serious. Okay? There are some songs, I, I believe too, just from reading the words in the Bible. It's like, I'll bet this had a very, you know, upbeat, fast pace, you know, a very jubilant sound. But then there are some, I picture it being more... Calm, all right? Like Psalms 23, for example. You know, I don't think Psalms 23 sounded like onward Christian soldiers. I, I doubt it had a tune like that or sound the battle cry like we did before, but it probably did have something that was very soft, something that was very gentle. And, you know, uh, when it's talking about, you know, playing these things with the solemn sound there, you know, this is something that. Hey, you know, this is serious. You know, praising the Lord, this is a serious thing. We're going to do it. We're going to try to do it good. The Bible talks about playing skillfully and with a lot of voice. Well, let's look at a couple of verses about uh, instruments. You don't have to uh, turn over there, but uh, Psalms 33.3, it says, Sing unto him a new song. Play skillfully with a loud noise. Let people hear what you're playing, all right? When it says with a loud noise right there, it's not talking about the electric guitar just making like a loud noise, all right? Just, you know, a bunch of racket, all right? But it's just... You know, play hey, play it loud. Play it where people can hear it. I think, uh, you know, I would say, 
picture more like a trumpet. All right? Something that's loud, but something that sounds good. Something that's not just a bunch of racket. It says in um, Psalms 150, turn over to Psalms 150. We see several things that are mentioned here that we ought to praise. We ought to praise the Lord with whatever we can. You know, in the South, they use whatever they got, whether that be a washboard, uh, you know, or just, uh, you know, using a five gallon bucket for some drums, you know. I was playing that Southerner this week and it's like still in my head, but. <laughs> Psalm 150, verse 1 says, Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in the firmament of His power. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the psaltery and harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Praise Him with the stringed instruments and organs. Praise Him upon the loud cymbals. Praise Him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. So, we, whatever we can get our hands on, whatever we can use, we ought to be praising the Lord with it. You know, praise Him. So let, and then it says, let everything that hath breath. Alright? So, hey, if, you're, if you've got breath, if you're able to make some noise, try to make some noise that sounds good and just try to do whatever you can to praise the Lord. And you know, it's weird because like Church of Christ, they do not believe in musical instruments, many of them. Alright? This particular place, when it was a Church of Christ, they actually did. They even they had you know they had a piano here already. But a lot of church I and I've never understood the argument for that. I've never understood anybody who can read the Bible and think they shouldn't have musical instruments in the church. But Church of Christ do, but course, but Church of Christ also believe in baptismal regeneration. They also believe in baptizing in Jesus' name. Which that's interesting because remember Vic, Victor Tay, those of you that know him, he baptized in Jesus' name and he doesn't use musical instruments. Maybe I think we found out why he doesn't use Baptist in his church name. You know, they found out what he really is. But <laughs> anyway, um, we ought, but we ought, we ought to praise him with instruments. And we ought to try to make, you know, and we ought to do a good job. We ought to try to make it sound good, and because you know we're trying to praise the Lord, we want to honor Him with what we do. The Bible talks a lot about different people. There was guys like Obed Edom. He was somebody he played instruments, and it would mention two people who played, and they played skillfully. It talked about how he he excelled. He played the sheminith, I believe. And I don't even know what that is, but he played it, and he made it sound. He, he did a good job too. I believe David was very talented with his heart playing. Why did why was David so good at it? You know what? David, he just had this habit of trying to please the Lord whenever he did, and he tried to do everything good. And if he's praising the Lord, he's wanting to make sure he's good at praising the Lord. So he got good at that harp, and he was uh, he used that talent for the Lord. Um, so, you know, look at verse four. It says, For thou, Lord, hast made me glad through thy work. I will triumph in the work of thy hands. O Lord, how great are thy works, and thy thoughts are very deep. So we ought to regularly consider the works of God. Okay? He's mentioning in here, you know, you made me glad through thy works. Okay? This is something, you know, once again, this isn't just something that God made him glad, you know, 30 years ago when I got saved. No, Lord, I'm glad about what you did this week. I'm glad about what you did in my life. You know, this this very this week, this day, Lord, you know, you showed me something 
in Your Word as I was reading my Bible. Lord, You answered this prayer. Lord, You helped me win this person to Christ. Lord, You gave me this victory. Lord, You were with me. You comforted with me during this trial. We ought to be thinking about these things. You know, meditating on them. Focusing on them. It says, O Lord, how great are Thy works and Thy thoughts are very deep. God does great things for us and we ought to be considering these things. Remember, once again, this is something to do on the Sabbath. This is a time where we're thinking about God. We're thinking about the things of God. We're thinking about what He did. It's real easy. I'm not telling you all got to walk around all the time, you know, and with a, you know, just in a constant state of prayer and just doing nothing but trying to be spiritual. There's work that we have to do, no, isn't there? Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. God understands that you know there are things we need to do. I'm expected to work and provide for my family. I'm expected to you know spend time with my wife and kids. And like I talked about Sunday, it's okay too for us to actually take time and just enjoy some of the pleasures of this world. But at the same time, you know we should be you know to the best of our ability, you know, be thinking about God, remembering Him. Just take some time in the day to stop and appreciate Him. Take some time to stop and read your Bible, pray, you know, pray for your meals. Do all those things. But at the same time, you know, there's going to be days where we're very, very distracted. And it was very important for them that they had one day. One day, though, where God was the focus. And you say, well, you know, it, boy, this makes me mad when people say this. I hate whenever people tell me, whenever they're making excuses for not doing something that the Bible commands them to do, and then they always make the statement, well, God knows that I've got this. God knows that I've got that. You know, God knows that I haven't got time. And that just makes me mad. And when people start telling me, you know, that God knows, I was like, well, I just, I just you know, hey, does God know that you have less than 24 hours in the day like everybody else? Because last time I checked, there's 24 hours in the day for everybody. Last time I checked, there's seven days in the week for everybody. How come everybody else doesn't seem to have a problem with this, but you do? You know what they're really saying? Is they're saying, I've got better things to do. But they want to say, you know, God understands that I... That, it, that just irritates me bad. That's one of those times when i got to work really hard at being nice and considerate because that's just a stupid thing to say. And people shouldn't say that. And if God wanted them to have a day where they're focusing on Him and thinking about Him, then you know what? They've got time. You know why? Because God knew what man needed. God knew what was going to need to be done for man to survive and to provide. And God made things in this world, even though the world is cursed, that man can survive working six days a week. And if God wants that one day, you know what? People ought to be fine with that. and So they can focus on Him and think about these things and then and talk about His works that He does. So it is, it's a, it is good to give praises. And that's why we like doing this here. We like giving you a chance to give praises. Because you know, I, I remember when I was in church, uh, when I wasn't pastoring, I mean, when I wasn't pastoring, I'd be sitting there and, you know, my dad would get up, hey, does anyone have a praise? And all of a sudden, sometimes I was ready to go. Sometimes, you know, I had, you know, man, you know, I, I definitely need to praise the Lord for this. But sometimes I just sit there and just think. 
you know. And then I'd be like, oh man, yeah, you know what? The Lord did this. And all of a sudden, I'm feeling thankful where had there not been a time where I was, you know, was being reminded, hey, this is a time when we give praises, then I probably wouldn't have even thought of it. And, you know, it's something that you know we ought to do on a regular basis. You know, it wouldn't hurt some of you if just and maybe I shouldn't say this unless I'm planning on doing it myself. Maybe I should do this. But you know what? What if just sometime, once a week, when you're just by yourself, you just went and made a list of some things that God did for you that week? You know, and so I wouldn't know what to put. I have nothing to put. Well, then you know what you need to do? You need to find out why the Lord didn't do anything for you this week. <laughs> Because chances are, He did do something for you. You just don't know what it is. Hey, are you not in the hospital? Are you not in jail? Hey, there's Christian people that are in jail today. Some that we know. Friends that are that are, are being persecuted. We're not being persecuted right now. And and this is another thing too. When it comes to uh, uh, when it comes to rest, okay. When we are resting, when you have time an opportunity to be at rest and think about the things of God, you need to understand that right there, that is something to be thankful for. How would you like to be living a life on the run? Okay? And we've all seen the disaster movies before where the entire movie, the people are like running, right? They're just they're constantly running. And sometimes I'll be watching these things and I'm just imagining, you know, when you're watching these movies, it's like, you know how nice it would be for them to just be able to take a nap? You know what I'm saying? But they can't. You know, they're literally being chased. You know, there's a tsunami coming for them. Or, you know, there's always some kind of disaster on their way. And you know what? The Bible talks about Matthew 24. When things get difficult, it talks about, you know, fleeing into the mountains. There's going to be times that are probably going to, that are going to come where we're going to actually be on the run. But you know what? Today is not that day, is it? We're not on the run today. We're going to go home and we're going to go to sleep tonight. And we're going to, we're going to rest in our beds. We're not being chased by the cops. None, none of those things are happening right now. The very fact that we are at rest means we're not fighting in a war. Okay? We're not personally out there doing battle. No one's trying to kill us right now. Not everybody in the world can say that. Many people in this world are, are fighting battles Right now, sitting in jails, right now, for and not even for doing anything bad, and that is not us. We have freedom. We can get in our car. We can go wherever we want. That's something to be thankful for, right there. And the very fact that hey, I've got this time right now where us as a family we're able to sit down and we're about to eat. Right there is something to be thankful for. In many parts of the world, people don't know where their next meal is going to be. I mean, they're out there in some places. they got to forage for food like an animal going through trash cans and things. We don't have to do that. We've got food stored up in our house. And a lot of times, just because a lot of the food is going to take effort, you know what we do? We say, you know what? This is too much work. Let's go to McDonald's. We, not everybody has that luxury, and yet it's Americans that are the ones that sometimes have the hardest time thinking of something to be thankful for. There's something wrong with that. You know what's happened? We don't take enough time to think about the things that God has done for us and to focus on these things. 
then I know we don't we're not required to observe the Sabbath on a Saturday. But you know what? I don't see anywhere in the Bible where we're told to quit praising God, where we're told to quit being thankful, and and you know and doing all these things it talks about here. We ought to be doing these things a lot, a lot, and definitely at least one day a week. We ought to be doing these things. But you know what? Part of the problem is, I think part of the problem is right here in verse six. Look what it says. It says, "A brutish man knoweth not, neither doth a fool understand this." All right, what you know? What's a brutish man? This is basically just somebody who's stupid. All right, brutish. That's a, that is a insulting word right there. This is somebody that's just a big dummy, a brutish person. They don't understand this. There's some people. They're too stupid to know how blessed they are. They're. I mean, they. Some of these guys, some of the most unthankful people in the world, are these lazy, good-for-nothing doughboys that are sitting in a nice, cool, damp basement playing video games all day long while mom's bringing food down there that they can shovel in his mouth. And that guy is often one of the most unthankful people. He can't see why, why in the world, you know, what do I owe God? Why in the world do I need to go to church? God never did nothing for me. Really? You're going to have that attitude? He gave you a mama that's still shoveling food down your big mouth when you're 30 years old. You don't even have a job. And you don't have any... What are you talking about? But is that not how a brutish person is? They don't understand these things. A fool doesn't understand this. And these people are fools that don't have anything to be thankful for. Verse 7, When the wicked spring... As the grass and when all the workers of iniquity do flourish, it is that they shall be destroyed forever. But Thou, Lord, art most high forevermore. For lo, Thine enemies, O Lord, for lo, Thine enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. Okay, now, and you might think I'm bad for this, alright? But, you know, who, who gets aggravated at just some of these lazy, good-for-nothing, you know, welfare cases that, you know, they could work. Said, they're hiring where I'm at like crazy. But there's a lot of these people, they get that job, but they have to work too hard. And so they quit. Like a bum. Alright? None of us like these lazy good for nothings. Alright? So how do you deal with it? You know, I'll tell you how I deal with it. When I'm working hard, and I see these lazy good for nothings, I saw one of them when I was just at Walmart. I'm not going to say who it is publicly, but I, I saw a lazy good for nothing that I've met recently and I had a conversation with. And I was just appalled and I was horrified at just the lack of character of this pile of garbage. And I'll tell you who it was after church. Nobody you know, from this church ever been to this church or anything. But I saw him and he saw me. And he immediately looked away and kind of ran out the store. And I was glad too because I didn't want to have a conversation with this guy. But you know, when you see those people like that, this is kind of how I handle it. You know, and we've talked about this with our kids before. What's one thing that we often say whenever we just see these people like that? When the apocalypse comes, they'll be the first to die. <laughs> not that we're going to do anything to them, but it's like these people will not have a chance of survival. Their character is so poor. They're going to take the mark of the beast so fast, it's not even going to be funny. Right? They're going to be pushing their way to the front of the line. Okay? And then they're going to go to hell. You say, and you say, you know, that's a bad attitude. You shouldn't take comfort in that. 
But look at let's look at these verses again, okay? You know, the when the wicked spring up as grass. Okay, they're popping up all over the place. The workers of iniquity, they flourish. It's because they're going to be destroyed forever. See, there's a reason there's so many wicked people out there. There's a reason iniquity is abounding. You know what? Jesus Christ is getting ready to come back and He is going to destroy the wicked. And let me tell you something, it's going to be a sight to behold. And we're going to behold it. We're going to get to see it. We're going to be there with them when He comes back at Armageddon. They're going to get what's coming to them. For lo, thine enemies, O Lord, for lo, thine enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. How do you, you know, what do you do, Pastor Tommy, when you see these gay pride parades and things? I think about the fact that they're going to perish. I think about the fact that these people are going to get what's coming to them. Alright? And it's easy, said it's easy to get sidetracked. It's easy to think, you know, alright, Lord, where's the judgment? Why isn't here right now? Well, you know what? We can't be like the brutish man who can't see the end of a thing. We've got to be somebody who has some wisdom and understand that God's going to take care of these things. And it, we are often reminded of these things when we sing the praises of God. We're often reminded of these things in church. Often when we're in a difficult time, whenever we need a prayer answered immediately, when we hear someone else in the church giving praise for their prayer being answered, you know what that is? That's a reminder that you know what? The Lord's probably going to take care of me too. Just like He took care of them. He's going to take care of me. We're constantly being reminded of these things. But the world, they don't hear this stuff. They're not praising God. They're not hearing the praises of God. They just see what's going on here and now. They're living for the here and now. Like an idiot. Like a brutish person. And they're going to be destroyed. And so we're supposed to be a people who think about the end. Deuteronomy 32.29 Okay, Opposite of a fool is someone who's wise and says, oh, that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would consider their latter end. Okay? The, you know, so my boys right now, you know, they're working hard doing the detasseling. It's tough. It's, it's hard work. It's long. Though it's been really hot. The weather's bad. You know, Tommy, he got made, they put him as a crew leader this week and, or, um, a couple weeks ago. So he's got a lot more responsibility on him. And it's put a lot of pressure on. It's pretty rough on them physically. But you know what? As a dad, I see that, you know, and I, I feel sorry for them on those long days. I feel sorry for them with, you know, when they have the extra pressure that's on them. And a part of me, it's like, you know, I kind of like to relieve the pressure. But then another part of me is like, this will produce some character. This is good. This is giving them a little taste of what life is like. And so I'm thinking about the end result, okay? The way we've always tried to raise our kids, our mentality is not just raise good kids, but our mentality is that we want to raise good adults. A lot of parents are good at raising good kids, well-behaved kids, but those kids never learn how to become adults. And that's a big mistake a lot of parents make. I want to raise good adults. And so I could do like a lot of parents, and I could just try to raise good kids and just, you know, baby them. But then they're going to be sorry adults. I'm thinking about the end result. And the last thing I want is one of my boys turning out like that guy I saw at Walmart today. That's the last thing I want. I'm thinking about the end of a thing. Because I've seen, I've been around long enough, I see what produces those guys. Alright? 
I know, I know what causes that. I under, I get it. I understand what causes guys like the one I saw at Walmart today. And so, I'm willing to let them struggle and you know go through the difficulties and be under the pressure because it is it's a good thing. And so I'm thinking about the end because look what it says in verse 10. So it says you know saying the workers of iniquity they're going to be scattered. It says but my horn shalt thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. All right, what's it talking about there when it's talking about the Exalted like the horn of a unicorn. All right. Well, many animals, all right, they are often judged when it comes to their greatness by the horn, right? By the size of the horn. Okay. What is it we all get excited about? Okay, around here, you know, we have white-tailed deer, right? And what do you want to see? You want to see those big antlers, right? You're looking for those big antlers, and when you do, when you see that buck with the big, massive antlers. That's when everybody gets excited. That's what makes the buck majestic. You know, I've shot, I, I shot a little button buck one time. Nothing majestic about that. You know, it was, it was embarrassing. The thing was so little. I didn't realize how little it was when I shot it. It was pretty far away. It was so little, I carried it out of the woods. I just picked it up by its feet, and I could, now, the little ones are good eating. But I didn't get a lot of meat out of that deer. <laughs> it was very, it did, it did taste good. But that he's saying, my horn shall be thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn. You know what he's saying? Hey, if I maintain my righteousness, if I do the right thing, I'm going to be the one that everybody notices. He's saying, I'm going to be exalted like the horn of a unicorn. That's what he's saying. He's saying, you know, I will, I'll get my comeuppance, just like they're going to get their comeuppance. Hey, if you do the right thing, you're going to be exalted. Look what it says in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1. Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1. I believe this right here is right after the tribulation. In chapter 11, it's been talking about the tribulation. And then right here we get to the rapture. And it says, "...and at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince would stand up for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble." such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time, thy people shall be delivered. Everyone that shall be found written in the book, and many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame, and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Y'all see that right there? Now, listen, we might not be exalted like that horn of a unicorn until the rapture. But y'all understand, at that resurrection when we rise, we're going to rise to live forever and never die again. We're going to rise at the and that millennial reign is going to start where we're going to rule and reign with Christ. You realize we're going to be exalted on this earth for a thousand years, and then after that for all eternity. So you know what? It's okay if we are abased while we're here on this earth. Is that not what happened to Jesus Christ when He died on the cross? He was put to great shame when He died on that cross. But because He did that, God highly exalted Him and has given Him a name that's above every name. So on this earth, we might not see, you know, we might not get exalted. 
We might, but we might not. But be, but we will at the rapture. There's going to be some that are going to rise. Says to shame and everlasting contempt. So we're going to be exalted. You see, look, look at verse eleven, Psalms ninety-two. Look at this. It says, "Mine eye also shall see my desire on mine enemies." Well, he's got such a bad attitude here, wanting bad things to happen to his enemies. We're, we're not supposed to like that, you know. We've all been, we've all had our emotions stripped from us, you know. Where, you know, we just need to want, we just need to want everybody to get saved, and you know. It says, "Mine eye shall see my desire on mine enemies." And from what he's been talking about so far, it doesn't sound like he's saying that they're all going to get saved. Alright? So let's keep reading. And mine ears shall hear my desire of the wicked that rise up against me. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing to show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in Him. Okay, so notice he's been talking about the wicked and how they're going to get what's coming to them. And he's saying that the righteous, they're going to get what's coming to them. And notice in verse 15, that's how God shows that He is upright. And that there is no unrighteousness in him. Do y'all realize the bad people are supposed to go down and the good people are supposed to be exalted? That's what the Bible teaches. If God fails to do that, it makes God look bad, doesn't it? Okay, now you say, but wait a minute. I've seen many times in my life where it looked like the bad guys won. There's been many times where it looked like the bad guys won and the good guys lost. Okay? Anybody ever felt that way or have seen that before? Alright? We see it all the time, don't we? But here's the thing God specializes in circumstances where he's too late. Remember Lazarus. We talked about that the other day. He was too late. Lazarus died, he'd been dead four days. He already began to stink. Okay? And you know what? Jesus did just fine, didn't he? And you might say, well, I know a lot of people, you know, there's you know, everybody knows that old country preacher that nobody ever noticed, but he stayed faithful all those years preaching in that little church. Nobody ever knew his name, nobody ever paid attention to him, and he died, and hardly anybody went to his funeral. But you know what? You know, and now, what's his name? We don't know. He's been forgotten. He never did get exalted. What? So, God's too late, right? Well, it's not over for Him yet because a resurrection's coming, isn't it? A resurrection's coming. And you know what? If that old country preacher that nobody ever noticed is everything that everybody says he was, then you know what? He's going to shine like the brightness of the firmament. He's going to be exalted. It's never too late for God even if it's too late. Even if it's over, even if he's dead, hey, you know that maybe, you know he was fighting you know, all the corruption in City Hall. You know he was fighting the bad guys, and they won, and he lost. But a resurrection is coming. One of these days, those guys are going to be resurrected, and they're going to stand before a great white throne. And they're going to be cast into the lake of fire. And you know what? God's going to do that because God is a righteous God, 
And it makes God look bad if the righteous are the ones that are being abased all the time and the wicked are being exalted. And I don't care if you've seen the wicked exalted on this earth and the righteous abased. God's not done yet. God is not finished. One of these days, it's all going to get straightened out. One of these days, everything is going to get taken care of. Everything is going to be made right. And here, and really, you know, the, and the longer the wait, I tell my kids all the time whenever they're hungry. You know, we're, we're traveling or something, they're hungry, and I'm, and I was like, I need to eat now. And I was like, listen, the longer we wait, the better the food's going to taste. All right. It's never comforting when I tell them that, but it's true, isn't it? Hey, the longer we wait, I, you know, I, hey, I want this meal to be good. I want this meal to be special. And if I get, let you get hungry and you've ever been before, you know, I, I, I wouldn't go that far. But sometimes I make them think that. But the longer we wait, you know, the more sure defeat, the more final the defeat seems, the greater it is when victory comes. And so really... When you stop and think about it, I mean, yeah, we'd like to see some of the, you know, recompense of the righteous right now. Okay, but would we rather get it right now or wait until it gets better? I mean, uh, you know, if, if the longer I wait, the more I'm going to be abased. Yeah, but the more we're abased, the more we're able to be exalted later. So, you know, I was reading that passage. Forgot where was that? Where Paul was talking about how you know we're made the filth of this world. You know, I think about guys like Pastor Logan Robertson right now. He's being treated like he's the filth of the world. You hear the things that people are saying about him. You know, people leave, you know leaving nasty comments and things. And even so-called Christians. Okay, that stupid Ruckmanite I was telling you about Sunday. One of the comments he did. There, there's all these just lost piles of garbage on there. And he's just, this guy gets on there and he's like, oh, please, please don't think that, you know, you know, Pastor Robertson, you know, represents all Christians. I'm a Christian and I'm nothing like that. Really? I mean, there's these Muslims on there, Muslim sympathizers, and you're worried about, you know, you know, oh, you don't want to get grouped in with them. These people hate Christians. That's why they, that's why they hate him. And I'm thinking, you know, you are just, you're so pathetic. And I just got in there, it's like, yeah, this guy is not like us. <laughs> he is not associated with us at all. You know, and it, it just, it absolutely makes me sick. And then, he like gets on there too, and he like gets on to me for like not, you know, condemning everybody that's leaving all these filthy comments like they were on our side. I was like, you moron. They're cussing. At him, these people are cussing me out because I left a positive comment. And he was like, "Tell me, I should." Everybody that's leaving comments on this channel apparently is on our side. It's like, are you so stupid? Do you not see who they're cussing out? You know, they're cussing out Pastor Robertson, and he's like, "Tell me, I need I need to rebuke the people on our side for using all that foul language." It's like these people are on your side. You know, you're, they're they're siding with you, and you know, and I see that, and it does. It, you know, it, it it breaks my heart. That you know, people like him, you know, are, are sitting in detention somewhere, you know, because of trespassing. You know, we got people that need to get deported around here all the time. We have people trespassing our property all the time. 
there were some kid, young people out there one day. There's this teenage boy and girl. They're just kind of laying under the tree, and it was it was weird. I, they were acting weird. I just went out. I told them, "Hey, y'all need to leave," and they just stared at me, I'm like, "No, now leave." And they're just looking at me, and they like, I'm like, "You guys, you need to get up and leave." And so they slowly get up. And then, like, I'm thinking now they were probably on drugs. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking they must have been doing drugs. And that's why they didn't really know how to react. But, you know, I didn't call the cops. I just told people to leave. You know, you, you just, you, you know, you see this junk that goes on and you see the way good Christian people are treated. And if you're not careful, it can get really discouraging. But you know what? The more we are humiliated, the more our name is cast out as evil, the more we are abased, the more we are seen as the filth of this world, the more we're going to be exalted one of these days. And you know what? We need to be reminded of this. We need to constantly remind ourselves of this. See, this is why we have trendies today. This is why we have these little skinny jean wearing, you know, pencil neck geeks that call themselves pastors that are just doing everything they can to make their church, you know, community friendly, make sure there's nothing offensive in this church. You know why? Because these people are desperate to be loved by everyone. They are desperate to not have their name cast out as evil. They are desperate to have that accept, to be accepted and to get those honors and to, you know, be invited to, you know, pray at the, you know, policeman's thing or the governor's dinner or whatever. You know, they, they, they want these recognitions from the world so bad and they're terrified at Christians like us who will dare open our mouth and actually speak the truth. Because they don't want to be associated with that. Because they can't stand the thought of being seen as filth. But folks, we're supposed to be going to church and we're supposed to be looking at all these things, reminding ourselves of all these things that we see here in Psalms chapter 92. And when we do, you know what? It's not going to bother us when these things happen. It's not going to bother us when we get cussed out and when we're called names. And when we're treated like we're the the filth of this world. Because we're reminded every week of what is to come. And the last thing we're going to want is the praise of this world because the Bible puts a curse on us when all men speak well of us. But yet, that's what people want today. I've seen it before. I've seen it on social media where Baptist preachers are getting plaques and things from all these different... you know groups in the city, and, and they, they parade these things around. Like, look at this recognition we're getting from the world. And I'm thinking, really? You're excited about that? You know, at least Faithful Word, they do have a plaque on their wall. It's because from you know, Southern Poverty Law Center for being considered a hate group. <laughs> And they didn't even give them that plaque. They made it for themselves. They're like, man, we got registered as a hate group. They took it as a badge of honor. You know, now, they mean that. They did see that as an honor. You know why? Because they have a biblical mindset. But you know, what would Baptists do today if, if another Baptist church, if Pastor Trendy got one of those, he'd go on a campaign to prove that he doesn't hate anybody. Because he can't, he can't stand hearing that stuff. 
And folks, these things that we're seeing here, these need to be a regular part of our worship. You know, the title is, you know, having an attitude of worship. We're supposed to be worshiping, they would worship God on the Sabbath day, and these are the things that they would do. These are the things they would think about. This was the mindset that they would get themselves in. This was something they would remind, this was a song that they would sing, so they would be constantly reminded of these things. And I'm telling you, we need this stuff today, don't we? We need to be reminded of this stuff. This, this passage, we need to we need to remember we need to remember God's going to take care of our enemies. And let's just be honest, okay? You can't it doesn't do any good to lie to yourself, okay? We want to see our enemies taken out of the way. I'll admit it. Alright? Yeah, I'd like to see some of them get saved and all that, become my friend. Yeah, that'd be great too. But some of them I just like to see them get taken out of the way. I'd like to see them go down. And you know what? They're going to. I, I might not get to see it in my lifetime. You say, well, man, you know, what if you don't get to see it in your lifetime? That means the longer it takes for my enemies to go down, the better it's going to be when they do go down. Think about that for a minute. Alright? Do you want them to get it right now where it's not so bad? Or do you want to really, really get it later? <laughs> the longer we wait, the better it's going to be. So, think about these things. Make these a part, make this a part of your life. You know, uh, you know, when it comes to worship God, singing His praises, you know, being public about it. That needs to be something we do. We need to be giving praise to God. We need to be giving thanks. We need to be reminding ourselves that God is going to deal with the wicked. He's going to deal with our enemies. And God is going to reward us. He's going to recompense us if we do right. And if we'll do these things. Because remember, I think I think it's Psalm 76, Psalm of Asaph, where it talks about how he almost slipped. You know, and it was talking about how he saw the prosperity of the of the wicked. But then what does it say? He said. I almost got myself in trouble, but then he said, I went into the house of the Lord, and then I considered their end. Why did he mention him going in the house of the Lord? Well, maybe because one of the things they were doing in the house of the Lord was all these things that's talked about right here in Psalms chapter 92. Maybe he, I don't know, or maybe he was singing Psalms chapter 92. He was thinking, before he went into the house of the Lord, he was thinking about the success of his enemies and how everything's just going their way. And he's just, you know what, I'm just, I might as well just give up, I might as well just wash my hands of this whole thing and just quit. It's easier being wicked. But then they went and they said, turn to Psalms chapter 92 in your Bibles tonight, or in your hymn books. And they went and they started singing this song. And he's like, you know what? My enemies are in big trouble. I'm going to be taken care of. And all of a sudden, he's all better now. And that's one of the things, that's why we need to do these things. It was something they did on the Sabbath. We need to do these things every week. And if we do if we do them, I believe it will help us greatly and it will encourage us greatly. So, With that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank You so much for Your goodness to us. Lord, we thank You for Your Word and for the promises that are there. And I pray You will help us, Lord, to be a people of faith. And that we will uh, not get discouraged when we see uh, what seems like the wicked uh, getting their way. But we'll understand, Lord, you're going to keep your promises that you are just. And you are going to take care of things eventually. And I, I pray you'll just help us to be patient and just trust your will. In your name we pray. Amen.